Welcome to the Big Sis Pod. Here's your host and founder of Big Sis Australia, Karen Mason. I feel like today's society is almost way too accepting of people that cheat and it's becoming less shocking to hear that so-and-so cheated on Jane from the accounts department. So is it no big deal? Well, I'm here to tell you that I am actually a victim of a cheating ex-partner and I promise you that hurt and betrayal of when this happens to you is very real. I can actually say that it could scar you for life and trusting others again can be extremely difficult. I do want people to start to take a bit more responsibility for their actions and to start thinking about the consequences when straying. To help us out with this topic, we have resident psychologist from Channel 7 the Morning Show and Radio 3OW in Melbourne, Sabina Reid. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, darling. So great. And look, I know it can be quite a serious topic and, you know, or it could also be quite lighthearted. It depends on the mindset around cheating. Do you agree? Look, I think any form of cheating is probably not lighthearted. I mean, as you say yourself with your lived experience, it impacts us and impacts us long term. And the breach of trust is the biggest hurdle that I think we struggle with, as opposed to actually what's transpired in the cheating. It's knowing that our trust has been broken and that can have really long-term effects. I think so too. But the thing is, I'm finding with, I don't know if it's just Australian culture, you know, the boys are like, oh, you know, you're getting a bit on the side. And that kind of culture is quite disturbing. I think it's a cop-out, really, to think that we can talk about it through the cultural lens, although we do know that statistically cheating statistics vary from country to country. So, for instance, in Italy, apparently approximately almost 60% of men cheat and 35% of Italian women, compared to in Britain, 48% of men, 20% of women. So, yes, there is a cultural norm overlay here at play, but I think to say that what happens in Australia is part and parcel of our gender norms is not helpful. Okay, so that's an interesting thing because I was going to later on talk about the difference between males and females and the stats with that. So seeing as you've just gone into that, so the male statistics are higher with the cheating? The male statistics are higher. I think, you know, if I wanted to start it to the cheating 101, (laughs) Karen, to that... Let's do it. To define what are we talking about here when we talk about cheating. And infidelity is basically being unfaithful in a committed relationship, whether that's emotional or physical. And a lot of people want to differentiate between those, but I don't because I think the impact's the same. So there is gender differences in that women tend to have more emotional affairs and men tend to have more physical affairs, although that's, you know, those are generalisations and, of course, vice versa happens as well. But regardless whether it's physical or emotional, it's still a breach of trust and the pain and the way it lands on the the victim, as you call them, um, is the same. So although there are gender differences in perhaps how we cheat, I think the impact and the hurt runs deep regardless. Exactly right. Well, we will go into maybe the differences between the emotional and physical. So let's tap into the emotional side of things too. So that could be just, you know, some innocent flirting via text message. 
You know what I would say is if you're doing anything, any kind of behaviour, so you're talking about flirtatious text messages or even, you know, lunching with a colleague, maybe drinks after work. However, I don't think a fly on a wall can tell you whether you're cheating or not. You need to know that whatever behaviour you're participating in, is it something that you would do openly and transparently in front of your partner? Totally agree with that one. And I do find it interesting how people like to convince themselves that, you know, it's a bit of fun, including I've had people say that partners have been on Tinder and they just have a bit of fun flicking through Tinder. What are your thoughts on that? Again, I would ask, would you flick through Tinder on the couch with your partner next to you? (laughs) If you're in an open relationship and you're both flicking and sharing, you know, you reckon he'd be good for me, what about her for me, Uh, which would be an unlikely scenario for most of us, then it's still breaching, you know, the norms and the expectations that most of us have within a monogamous and a committed relationship. And you're right, Karen, that emotional affairs tend to be more common and I think it's because as you say we tell ourselves that's not cheating that's just having fun that's just chatting to a colleague Um, that's just me after a few drinks that's just me letting off steam that's me online that's me touching base with someone I knew in high school we've got all these reasons and explanations and really excuses but would we do any of that in front of our partner and how would it impact our partner if we did very, very true. Now, with the physical, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. But I mean, do some people try and say, oh, it was just a kiss versus going all the way? (laughs) I think they do. You know, that's, look, there's not research around, well, I'm not familiar with research around that. As I said, men tend to seek more sexual satisfaction and women more emotional. But I don't think it's that grey for me. This is, would you kiss someone in front of your partner? (laughs) Let's always just go back to that question because I think it's a winner. Would you do it in front of your partner? Totally agree. Are you finding that the stats are actually on the rise probably because of technology? So as I was just suggesting, you know, Tinder or there's even cheating apps out there. I mean, it's crazy stuff to think of. Are the stats going through the roof? An interesting statistic is that the prevalence of women cheating has been on the increase and Mm -hmm. we're also quick to point the finger at social media and of course that's one piece of the puzzle. But there are other factors at play as well with women cheating including women being more now um, economically independent. So, you know, think 50 years ago when women were more stuck at home and the roles of women have changed so dramatically. As we said, yeah, social media plays a part, but so do just um, changing social attitudes towards casual sex. You know, we used to frown upon that in a big way, and I think now society doesn't frown upon casual sex in the same way. So all of those factors, particularly I think that the economic independence and workplace independence has shifted some of the landscape for women. Yeah, very true, very true. Now, with your professional experience, why do you think that most case studies, why do they actually go and cheat? So are they just missing something in their relationship or it's a bit deeper than that? I reckon there's probably four main factors that contribute to cheating and that would be lack of intimacy. So even though our relationships might look really good on paper, we might look good on our Facebook photos and uh, we might share a house and a mortgage and kids and holidays, 
but we lack something deeper and we crave that connection and, and crave an intimacy that we don't feel we're getting in our relationship, either physical or emotional. Sometimes we cheat because our self-esteem is really low and having someone desire us and want us is exciting and fills up a cup that feels sort of empty elsewhere. I think we also cheat because we feel bored in the bedroom. I think that's a, a less common factor, but we're looking for something more exciting and it feels a bit humdrum and we've been with the same person for a long time. And I think one of the main reasons we cheat is because we're not communicating. We don't feel heard. We don't feel valued. We don't feel cherished. So what advice do you give couples that have actually experienced someone straying and they come to you for advice? What kind of handy tips could you give people if they are trying to work on a relationship after the betrayal? Yeah, I have got a bunch of tips and the first would be just dealing with the aftermath of an affair and then I've got different tips that I would give for the spouse who cheated and different tips for the spouse who's been deceived. So just to kick off, after any kind of breach of trust, really it can be a chance to rebuild the relationship or it can be a chance to make a decision to leave. And that is a very difficult decision for most of us to make. So if you want to go down the rebuild path, you have to acknowledge the grief and the rejection and the anger and the guilt that's come along with the infidelity. And the way I like to explain it is that marriage or relationship number one is over and it's time to start rebuilding marriage number two. Otherwise, the toxicity and the narrative from the affair in in the relationship number one continues to spill into relationship number two. And when I use the words relationship number one and two, <laughs> that with the same person. So um, we need to acknowledge that the breach of trust is far more painful than any behaviour that's transpired. And in order to rebuild that trust, you kind of need to draw a line in the sand and say that relationship failed. And what can we do now if we want to rebuild our relationship again? So for the spouse that's cheated... They need to, first and foremost, accept responsibility for the affair. There's no point in making excuses because that just digs a deeper hole and creates more layers of hurt. They need to absolutely cut all ties with their lover or whoever they've had an affair with. And for some people, that's really difficult because affairs are so common in the workplace and it might mean resigning from your job. But these are the steps that we know we need to take because if you continue to be in contact or to see the person that you've cheated with, the chances of reoccurrence are so high. And it also gives a message to your current partner that you're not truly committed to you know, your current relationship. I think also for the partner who has cheated, they need to be able to answer all questions. And I see in my clients... Often partners who have cheated will say, I've explained everything. I don't know what else I can do. And yet he or she continues to ask me questions and continues to want to unpack their pain and their anger and their grief. And that's what we need to do. We need to be able to sit and listen for as long as it takes and to understand also what led to the affair. What was it that you were seeking? What was the unmet needs in the relationship at the time that had you stray? and then make this commitment to marriage number two, knowing that marriage number one is over. 
Look, it's such a tricky situation because for me, I always said, if someone cheated, I'm out. And I've always lived by that. But I haven't had, you know, the family with the kids. And and you probably would find that, is that the most common reason why people try and work through it? Like if they're married, they've got kids, is that normally sort of the highest priority for keeping the relationship together? I think that is a common factor for couples to want to stay together. But there's so much more than that at stake. There's trying to understand, you know, why we were rejected, not letting go of the hope of the future that you had always signed on for, wanting to continue to live the dreams that you shared together when you first became a couple. So yes, there's practical issues and of course children are, you know, probably the primary one for a lot of us. But I think there's a lot of deeper levels that have us want to explore a relationship and not leave prematurely as well. And I always, you know, when couples come to see me in in my rooms, I, I always start with the premise of hope, that there is things that we can do to strengthen a relationship, but both parties have to want to play that game. So from your experience, when someone has actually cheated, what's the likelihood of them doing it again? So once we've cheated, it's three times more likely that we'll repeat that behaviour again. So for many of us, if we're getting into a relationship that's based on infidelity, in, in other words, our partner is cheating on someone to be with us, it's easy to turn a blind eye to that and think that we're special. But if they've cheated once, the likelihood is that they'll be three times more likely to cheat in a future relationship. So that is a red flag to be wary of. Oh my goodness. So that is true because I've always thought once a cheat, always a cheat. So that is true. Well, once a cheat, three times more likely a cheat. (laughs) Wowza. Beware. Indeed. Well, you've been very helpful even for me to get my head around some of this. So thank you so much for your time. Your wealth of knowledge about this topic is just, you know, mind boggling. So if you are interested in finding out more information on Sabina's services, just head to her website, which is sabinareadpsychology.com.au. And you can also find her on many different social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for your time. Good, Karen. Great to if you miss me too much in between the weekly podcasts, you can jump onto our website, bigsisaustralia.com, where you can read our blogs, watch funny videos, and even win prizes for becoming a VIP sister. I'd love to see you there as well.